Hello, 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 6AM Run community, 6AM Run family, 6AM Run runners, everyone out there who's been listening to our podcast now. I think uh, you guys are probably going to hear this a few weeks later than we're recording it. But for me, this is like one of our 30th or 35th episodes I'm recording. I know as I sit here today, we just published uh, Troy Ishmer's episode this morning. I know that's gotten a lot of buzz. So I really want to thank everyone uh, who continues to listen. And the podcast has been growing much like everything else that, that we've done. So again, I always try to start these podcasts with a few gratitude items. And obviously the, the support we're getting is really awesome. And I, I always thank you for that. I'm very excited for our next guest. You know, we've had nutritionists, we've had physical trainers, personal trainers. We've had people in the fitness space, but what I love about, and and I'm going to let my next guest introduce himself. And I always love the guests to in a way hype themselves up because they know what they do better than even I do. But I'll tell you this person we're about to introduce, and I don't want to waste any more time. This person comes in as, you know, a person who not only took physical fitness seriously, but similar to my story, really even said, you know what, I'm going to help other people by creating something that's going to help other people. Don McLaughlin, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Tommy, thanks so much. Uh, Don McLaughlin dialing in from Northwest Colorado, Steamboat Springs specifically. And yes, uh, you briefly touched on it. I've had a journey like we all do. Mine, one tied very much to a constant pursuit of the next level and achievement was very much a hallmark for me through the course of my early career. First as a lawyer, uh, started as a government prosecutor and then uh, moved into private practice in a big, big law firm in commercial litigation and investigations, and then ended up in-house as an in-house lawyer at uh, Quest Communications in Denver, Colorado, in the midst of the Enron Arthur Anderson set of legal cases that uh, Quest was very much uh, wrapped up in. And, you know, that pace that I was going at uh, ultimately caught up with me after I founded my own managed service and legal technology firm that serviced primarily legal departments in the Fortune 500 because I was, you know, sort of in the right place at the right time in 2002, 3, 4, when electronic data became the subject of investigations, right? That's where, you know, Securities and Exchange Commission and Department of Justice, and then even just lawyers in cases, they knew electronic data was where things mattered. And so that became my specialty for years and years. Uh, But in the midst of what was, you know, a very intriguing uh, legal experience, when it came to building a business that I founded a year before the 2008 financial crisis, uh, in the years after the 2008 financial crisis, I really, really struggled with a burnout in the midst of, again, what growing a, a business that started to really grow, multi-million dollar business fairly quickly. And ultimately, yeah, led to a moment on the bathroom floor. You know, no other pretty way to put it in late 2012, five years after founding the business. And it's really a you know, defining moment in my life. We all have those. And, you know, one of my virtual mentors, Ritual, also a lawyer, you know, He likes to say, you know, we have these opportunities to make a decision and really change the course of our lives. And that was one for me. So that's sort of the backdrop. And I'm happy to go into my background a little bit more or bring you right to that moment and and what uh, came of that moment and everything since then uh, over the last 
uh, nine years. Can you back up? So I, I will say, and, and I don't want to say, nobody needs to hear my story anymore. I've repeated it to our audience a million times, but you are a little different. I feel like I was in marketing and advertising and I felt like I was, I don't want to say screwing people over, but I feel like in my old job, I was like, I was forcing people to spend money or I, I just sometimes viewed myself as, am I putting people in debt? But you were a prosecutor, you said, right? Yes. So you, as a, as a prosecutor, I feel like that is a little more, am I call me crazy, but it's a little more, there's some gratuity there because you are putting bad guys away, right? Like, so you had a job that, I mean, I, again, I don't discredit how hard it was and you talk about burnout, we'll get there, but did it at least feel good to know that you're one of the good guys and you're putting bad guys away? That was the most gratifying legal work that uh, I did as a practicing lawyer, quite honestly. And, and I actually had an internship during law school at the University of Denver at the Public Defender's Office in uh, Arapahoe County, South Denver. That also was very gratifying. So just to, that public service element, mm-hmm. yes, very, very gratifying. And also, I'll just say the reality is that you know a law school is not inexpensive. And I had nearly 100000 in law school wow. loans to pay off. And that led me into private practice in a much bigger firm that mm-hmm. I can relate with your experience, uh, Hami, that there's just the commercial side, the business side of the practice of law. There were things that I, you know, it didn't sit well with me. And I think it's informed a lot of my choices around entrepreneurship and improving things that I thought needed improvement. And I, I really felt that about the way in which legal services are often you know, rendered that there was just opportunity to improve that whole process in ways that, you know, just served clients better than the way I saw the law firms doing it. And that that very much led to, you know, my work and my specialty inside Quest as an in-house lawyer when I focused on a very expensive and very risky problem, which was managing electronic data. A lot of companies ended up on the front page of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal about losing data and data deletion. And wow. Anderson had issues with that. So yeah, uh, that very much, you know, formed the basis of me going into the work that I did and, uh, you know, doing my best to help improve the process and system that I felt needed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's also back up to the past a little bit. People, unfortunately we do audio only right now. One day guys, I promise we'll get more advanced and perfect these podcasts and do some video here. And I have the video, which is good. So one day, maybe we can also upload videos with them. But you know, you're very fit. One of the reasons I pinged you was I kind of want to also start backwards a little bit too. back in the past. You are a endurance and you are a very fit person. I never ask anyone their age, but you know, you're, you're very fit for your age. When did the fitness aspect, was that all during like young youth and into law school and everything? Or when did you start going into like fitness? Great question. Uh, I appreciate that. I am 52. I'll be 53 oh, wow. later this year. And, you know, I grew up an athlete. I'm one of seven from a traditional Irish Catholic family, grew up in Northern Jersey. Athletics was very much a part of our upbringing. And yet through the course of law school and then getting into the practice of law, where very much in the law firms, the competition is who can build the most, who can work the most. And that comes sitting in front of a computer, you know, being in the office. And so I did that early in my career. And I, you know, sort of ignored athletics in many respects, occasionally here and there would work out. Uh, But then when I founded my company Falcon Discovery in 2007, that's when really 
I sort of just doubled down all the time and worked all the time, right? I remember a vacation very distinctly with my then wife and our three young kids on the beach in Waikiki, staying at the beautiful hotel right on Waikiki Beach and just being attached to my phone right? Uh, When messages were coming in, phone calls that I had to take. And so, yes, you know, I was a workaholic in uh, many respects, which, you know, when you're building a business that comes along with it, but I seemingly couldn't turn the switch off and figure out how to, you know, regain my fitness. And I had health challenges. I developed a very uh, debilitating infection in my right kidney that was uh, stress-related, And that was a very scary moment uh, in which the prospect of losing my kidney was very real early on in founding this business. And uh, yet I doubled down, right? Doctors told me to do this, that, and the other, but, you know, I doubled down and, you know, tried to get support from a homeopath and and some other ways, but uh, just wasn't really committed to physical fitness until this moment, November 3rd, 2012, when I hit rock bottom, uh, woke up at 5 a.m. on the floor of this luxurious bathroom in a resort in Colorado Springs uh, called the Broadmoor Resort, which the Rockefellers and the Morgans used to come out from the East Coast to explore the Rockies at this uh, very high-end resort. And, you know, I just woke up just on a bender the night before at a wedding and I asked myself, how is it that, you know, I'm in my early 40s, founder and CEO of a successful multi-million dollar business, and yet I find myself here. And I knew that the business was at risk because I was at risk and that I needed to turn things around in a significant way. Or I r- ran a very real risk of losing everything that I built years, right? I'd spent years building. And that really was the moment where I said, I've got to change my lifestyle and the way in which I'm showing up every day. And that led me on a journey to turn over sort of every stone about how I could recover and build more resilience, as uh, cliche as that term is. Mm -hmm. It was very real for me because, you know, I was getting through my day, you know, on caffeine, uh, alcohol to relax at night and antidepressants just to keep me stable. And it led me, uh, Hummy, to uh, reconnect with running in a way that I really didn't enjoy running. I got kicked off my high school cross-country team in New Jersey, which is a feat in and of itself, right? Don't they need people on the cross-country team? I was kicked off because I was just disinterested and and didn't really enjoy it. But for whatever reason, you know, in the aftermath of hitting bottom, I returned to running and in particular trail running. I read a magazine article about uh, these ultra-endurance runs. So this is late 2012. I'm reading this article and I thought, oh my God. I can't imagine people are running a hundred miles through the mountains. And then I read Born to Run by Christopher McDougall, mm-hmm. kind of a seminal work around running and the way in which we as humans have run, you know, forever, right? And that grabbed me. And I started to run for short, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes yeah. on trails. And that got me going. And then I thought, well, let me try one of these ultras. And so my first one was 25 mile trail race in uh, Southern Colorado. And over the next even six months after my first race, I just started to, you know, fall more and more in love with it, being out on the trail and, you know, just testing my body. And and then it turns into very much a mental test. And I got up to the 50 mile distance, you know, at 43 years old, my first summer doing ultras. Yes, not advisable, but that's how much it really started to help me transform my life and along with it, a focus on nutrition. So at that time, I heard a podcast interview with Rich Roll 
And he talked about his book, Finding Ultra, which I quickly read and consumed and saw what he was doing from a plant-based perspective. And so I followed suit and started to you know, go more plant-based and then incorporate certain herbs and botanicals, which has now led to a, a new career in my life. Yeah, we're going to talk about that and, and we're going to get to that. And we're, we're cool. We're coming up like kind of halfway. But real quick, I want to get back to. So here's the thing. You know, they say adrenaline junkie and you talk about work. You and I, here's here's where I feel like we're very much alike. When Kobe Bryant, for example, and he says like Mamba mentality, it's it's not even so much Mamba mentality. Even when you were doing the work and work consumed you, like what, what I'm getting is like, you're either all in or not in at all. Does that make sense? No matter what you do. And even now you're doing that with running. There's people that are that type. That's like, for me, a real type A personality. Like if I'm going to start something, I'm not going to start it. And that's probably why you didn't like cross country at the time. You weren't feeling it, right? Like now you are in it. Like, and, and what I love about the running itself, everyone will tell you as at my age too, and everything I've been doing in the running industry, time doesn't even mean shit. It's about finishing. If you say, I'm going to do the hundred miler and I've got 24 hours to do it, or I'm going to finish hundred miles. It's about finishing when you were, even when you talk about how you were a work addict, it still was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to put this down until all the work's finished. And unfortunately, when you're the CEO of a company, and even now I'm sure to this point, we're going to talk about your company in a little bit, but be honest with me, same thing probably applies now. Work is still a priority in your life because now it's about that baby. Am I right? That's right. That's right. And what's different though, is the way in which I show up, right? Those lifestyle changes that I made, both with respect to my own health, but then also my connections with my kids and and others. Yeah, yeah. Right? Prioritizing things, but still being that competitive person still. That's right. That's right. And having better tools to manage the stress that comes along with that fast pace. Listen, I don't doubt, and I hate to keep using this as an example, I don't doubt Kobe Bryant did not love his kids, right? But look what happened. Like when his one child started following in his footsteps, you see he kind of goes into that direction a little more. And unfortunately, we all know they passed away, but doing what they both like. I don't think this is a bad thing. Sometimes when people say that he's a workaholic, all he does, like, I don't think that's bad. We all have vices. We all are addicts of something. That's right. Alcohol, I'll say it, alcohol, sex. Yes, I'm a sneakerhead. I cannot not buy sneakers. I just love sneakers. I don't know. There's addictions, you you know, and, and I want to real quick talk about that too, before we talk about, we'll get in your new company. Like it's just, you know, sometimes, and, and you found this out and you're able to say, okay, let me at least switch drugs and alcohol, which obviously can kill you. You said, look, I'll switch it with running, starting my own business, a little more healthier. And then you prioritize, as you just said, your kids in it. And unfortunately, I feel like some people, and again, I don't know this, I'm not an expert on the subject matter, but for some people, I guess it just unfortunately is a little too little too late, but it's awesome that you found that. And then now let's get maybe into the company. You figured a company out and you, I want to tell you, I'll let you tell the story. Now it's also about helping other people. You do something that both heals and I know CBD does a lot of relaxing. So talk about that. Go ahead and talk about your company a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So Pure Power Botanicals is founded out of my own experience in my last company, Falcon Discovery, which again, served legal departments in the Fortune 500, right? So totally different space. But, you know, I hit that low moment in the midst of growing Falcon Discovery. And in the months and then years after, 
you know, I bounced back in a way that I didn't anticipate, right? I, I became a hundred mile ultra endurance trail runner in my mid forties, right? That I just at one point thought was inconceivable. Uh, but what helped fuel that recovery and that rebound was some of the things I mentioned, nutrition, movement, and also supplementation, right? I started to discover turmeric and ashwagandha, things that I heard other cordyceps mushroom ritual highlighted in Finding Ultra. And so I started to experiment with these. And at the same time, I discovered cannabis and in particular hemp. Right, cannabis is a plant like tomatoes. There's different varieties of tomatoes, right? Uh, and cannabis is the same. One is marijuana that most people know. It creates this psychoactive high uh, that's tied to the component or compound THC. Uh, hemp is a different derivative, and hemp is a crop that's been grown around the world for so long and was uh, extensively grown in the U.S., cultivated in the U.S. And what uh, floored me when I read an article in the Denver Post in early 2013, I'll never forget the, the moment, uh, I read this article in the Denver Post about this plant called hemp and that it had these therapeutic and beneficial properties, particularly around stress and anxiety. Well, I had been on Zoloft for several years. I couldn't really get off of it. And so when I read that article, two things happened. One is I almost fell off my chair because I started my legal career as a government prosecutor prosecuting marijuana crimes, and I didn't know anything about hemp. No one, how was it that I didn't even know something like hemp existed, that it was non-psychoactive and that it was legal and that it had all these benefits? And the second thing was, I've got to explore this because of what I read. And I started to do so. And what I noticed within weeks, and then it you know built over months, slept much more deeply. I had more energy. I was more balanced during the course of the day. And I just felt more present, right? And so it was this combination of incorporating hemp extract, now known as CBD, with these other super herbs that have long been used in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, which is more of the nutritional element of yoga, right? That I just started to do things that I couldn't imagine I could do in my wow. you know mid forties, and that really planted the seed. Uh, sort of as I'm going through this in metamorphosis in many ways, uh, my cousin Sean McKee experienced a traumatic brain injury in 2015 that uh, put him in ICU. They didn't know if he was going to make it, and about four or five months into his recovery, I had been doing so much research about hemp and all the cannabinoids in hemp. Right, there are over a hundred cannabinoids, which are nutrients within hemp oil. I discovered articles around brain injuries and cannabinoids. And so I suggested to Sean that he incorporate uh, hemp extract and a couple of other uh, neuroprotective and anti-inflammatory herbs. He did so, and over the course for him of weeks and then months, he felt like his recovery started to get you know faster. Uh, he started to sleep much more deeply, which is essential for brain injuries. That's the main way the brain heals, right, is through deep sleep, but also his anxiety. You know, he went from a highly functioning exec in the wind industry, he got an MBA at University of Michigan, very accomplished professional, but he was back to ground zero. He had to learn how to ride a bike again, right? And so the anxiety that came along with that, he felt like that helped him. So while this is all going on, uh, my company, Falcon Discovery, was acquired by a much larger company. And ultimately, I phased out of it. Once I integrated my company into the company that acquired us, I was phasing out. I told my cousin, Sean, that, you know, there was no other product that couldn't find any on the market that combined 
these incredible super herbs with hemp extract, right? This is in the earliest days, 2017, 2018, that I had this idea of creating products that combine the best ingredients to address the things that, you know, we struggled with most, right? Energy, recovery, sleep. And that was really the genesis of Pure Power. And Sean, you know, invited him to join as co-founder. And we launched Pure Power Botanicals at the end of 2018 to share with others what we've discovered personally for ourselves. A couple of things real quick. I think, and it was funny, you talk about being 40. I'm 42. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think what happens too, what's crazy is when you're 21, you just, when I, like, when I think back on 21, a difference is, is that, look, I, I knew I wasn't Superman. I knew I'm human, but I, I would do things at 21, bad things too. Like, you know, you, you really make some dumb decisions when you're young because you do have this kind of cloak in like cloak of armor. You do think you're just invincible and you're young and you know what I mean? And I look back on it now. And, but when you hit 40, I have to say this and, and, and I don't, I don't like even talking about it. I'm a um, superstitious person a little bit, but I think once you're at 40, you think about your death a little more, right? For me, it's always too, with 6 a.m. run, it was like, well, what am I leaving behind when my kids talk about me when I'm gone? What are they going to say daddy did? Oh, daddy just worked in marketing. Like that didn't sit well with me personally, right? So I kind of want to backtrack to a couple of things on your story. One is obviously you're at that point. So you obviously want to think of things to help yourself. I, I mean, and I think some of the best businesses come out when you look at, for something for yourself and see there's a need there to when did you move to Colorado? Was that early on in your career after law school? It was, you know, I started law school at Tulane law school in New Orleans, uh, okay. in twelve ninety five, and, you know, great experience, tremendous law school, but also I knew uh, at a young age growing up in New Jersey, I always wanted to live in Colorado. And so really? I, trans- okay. I transferred to the university of Denver in the fall of 96 because yeah, I just thought better to be in the state in which I wanted to practice. And that's what led me to Colorado and spent six years in Denver, finishing law school, building sort of early days of my legal career. But then, uh, you know, yeah, this theme of burning out, I kind of burned out on the big law firm and I moved to Steamboat Springs as a way to take a little bit of a shift in my career and have been in Steamboat Springs since then, you know, 20 years. And what I'm also getting at is two things. One, it's crazy. You had the perfect balance, I feel like. Not even balance, that's the wrong word, but perfect combination. You have Olympic athletes trained there, right? Like it's one, of, it's the country's largest facility for Olympic athletes, right? Yes. Um, yes. Especially in the running industry, second to like, I think University of Oregon takes a lot of track athletes that maybe don't even run for them, but they're very big on like, you know, Oregon Run Club, things like that. So you have that there. And obviously you're the first state during all of this, you're the first state that says, F it, we, weed's legal and we're going to make a lot of money off of it. Yep. Yep. That's right. So, That's right. The timing was good. And I will say that when we launched at the end of 2018, uh, we seeded the product with uh, pro athletes and runners in particular, mm-hmm. ultra endurance trail runners, and they validated our experience. They started right. to come back and say, I'm hitting new PRs that I'm just shocked that I'm hitting. And we knew we had something there. And then, you know, a few of those athletes were interviewed by journalists. And the journalist said, we want to talk with this pure power company because uh, Scott Douglas is a big writer at Runner's World. And uh, I've I've spoken with Scott several times now. And when he wrote Runner's World's first piece on CBD at the end of 2018, he canvassed both the U.S. and around the world for companies in the CBD space. And he didn't find one that was premised on 
CBD not being the main ingredient. For us, the uh, main ingredient was the other components that CBD was there to activate or serve as a Trojan horse for, right? Because the sum is greater than the parts. And that's really how we got our launch was through athletes, which athletics has meant so much to Sean and I, both in our lives before our falls and since in a big way. And so we very much uh, have a focus at Pure Power on supporting both you know, elite level athletes, but anyone that wants to remain active and do so through athletics. Yeah. And last thing too is USADA. What's the rule right now as weed is becoming more legal everywhere? And I know CBD is, is different than marijuana, obviously, but what's USADA's take on, let me ask that first. What's USADA's take on CBD? Yes. So uh, USADA follows the World Anti-Doping Agency, uh, right? And I think in 2019, the World Anti-Doping Agency removed uh, CBD as a prohibited substance. And but so weed was, still is. It is, although they have a threshold, uh, okay. meaning that if you're tested and you uh, rise above, and I forget the precise measurement, but if you if, oh, if so, you're okay. tested, if your test result comes elevated above that, that's when you're considered in violation of a WADA and now USADA guidelines. So, you know, you see it now in the Olympic ranks. Hemp extract is absolutely in use. There's no question. And we definitely advise uh, our athletes that are at that level that may be tested that, you know, out of an abundance of caution, they may want to taper off uh, before their event. But mm-hmm. uh, the reality is that our products are hemp-based and they'll never rise to the threshold of the THC right. that is in the water requirements. No, no, I, that was just a, no, and, and I, and I do appreciate, and that was just like, just, I just had a curious, just curious question on that. Yeah. Wow. Your story is amazing. I mean, it, it really is. And it's, it's very, it goes to just show, I think people, like I said, that like, again, pun intended, right? Like it's about getting to the finish line and everyone's got a different journey. Everyone's got a different path, Right. But you really like, you would never have, I'm sure, thought in your wildest dreams when you were doing law that fast forward, maybe even five years ago that, you know, hey, I'm going to be CEO of a company that helps ultra or endurance athletes and recover. But I think life takes you. I'm a strong believer. I'm not the most religious person in the world. I definitely am spiritual. And I definitely believe something is out there that like watches out for me or, you know what I mean? I can't even explain it, but like, I believe, and and this is just me hearing your story, you had to go through those lowest of lows because without that, you wouldn't be where you are today. But that's my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. but A hundred percent. That morning, November 3rd, uh, 2012 was as much a spiritual awakening for me personally. Uh, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I, I just sort of former religion never really clicked with me. But that morning I had some experience that opened my eyes in a big way. And it started mm-hmm. with a complete self-acceptance at a time when I felt so miserable about myself, but that was truly transformative. And I think that, you know, that running has proven to be such an outlet for keeping me on track and connected with myself in a way that I can show up better in the world. And that if three or four days go by without me getting out for 45 minutes and really, you know, losing my breath and sweating, the wheels start to come off the bus a little bit. And to your question, you know, I'm as busy as uh, under as much stress as I've ever been. But I have these tools, right? And running is an essential one that helps the wheels stay on the bus. 
Well, and yeah, and, and that's the same thing for me. Like, I just, I know that I need to get that run in. And if, for me, if it wasn't for running, I would not be a better person. Because again, there's relationship aspects, right? I want to be the best husband I can be. I want to be the best father I can be. And I know that if I don't take care of my emotions, right? You know, it's funny. And also too, as I get older, this happened to me today. I really was just messing around trying to find a good radio station on the radio. Or I know I was trying to hook my Bluetooth up to my radio this morning on the way in at a red light. Literally the red light turned green and the guy honks behind me. The person I am now, I think like 20 year old me would have been like turning back, giving my finger. You know what I mean? Now I'm just like, yeah, this guy needs a hug. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I was able at least this morning to get all my aggression and anger out. And I yes. think now, like the way I look at things when other people are a little more hostile or like, I can, I can understand a little bit more why. And I'm just like, look, this dude needs a hug. Maybe he needs to go for like a run, cool off. And even like I said, with, with every situation, I'm like, all right, let me figure out what's the cause of this situation and more just figure it out instead of being combative to, you know, things where I, I feel like I used to be more like defensive, right? So, yeah, I love the way you put that in terms of, you know, what running allows us to process and work through. And, you know, it's sort of the hardest thing because our mind will tell us, oh, just rest, stop. Right. But for us to continue to lean into what's uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. I think in a way connects us with our own humanity and also just, you know, settles us down in a way. And of course, there's so much science around the benefits of running. Outside the U.S., it's a very often turned to uh, treatment for depression and anxiety. And so, you know, I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. for it and know that into my 80s, late in life, I will be running. And uh, for me, wilderness is a big part, a big component. So I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. And it's funny. So my, my wife, I told her a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I said, Hey, you, you should run too. You know, maybe you'd like it. Even if you want to start with a walk and pick it up a little bit, just kind of speed walk and then even walk a mile. I was trying to talk to her about doing it. And she, it was funny. She turns to me, she's like, well, you love running. And I was like, really? I don't. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I don't, I actually hate it. I sit there every morning. It's cold here on the East coast. You're from Jersey. You're right outside of Philly where we are. Every morning it's cold. I do treadmill more nowadays as it's really cold, but I sit there every morning and I think of reasons I shouldn't, right? Like I'm like, today, do I hurt? Why shouldn't I? But the one thing that trumps everything, I know how I'm going to feel when I'm done. That euphoric feeling, and there's very few, I won't go TMI, there's very few feelings that feel that good. But I know that 30 minutes later on the treadmill, one hour later, if I'm outside, like I know exactly how I'm going to feel when it's done. And no excuse trumps that feeling. So, and that's why I told her, I said, you know, you think I love it. You think I want to do it every day. I don't. I Listen, Saturday mornings, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm staying in bed till 10. And it's funny, people who know me around here locally, and I'm always wearing my 6 a.m. stuff when I'm outside running. And like, you know, I think they want to mess with me, but I laugh a little bit. They're like, if they see me run Saturday at like 10, they're like, it's not 6 a.m. And I'm like, ha ha, like, I get it. But look, I'm going to sleep in a little bit on Saturdays. Those kind of things I'll do. You know, I'm not ever going to lie to anyone and say I'm that perfect. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you've experienced like I have in so many of us, right? The physiological and biochemical, right? Benefits, whether, you know, dopamine, endorphins, I think new science shows that it's actually cannabinoids, right? That's happening. that are really the lift uh, running that our body makes on its own, right? But also to get through that and show up for ourselves when we don't want to do it. 
you know, I think I coach uh, entrepreneurs and executives. And one of the things I really emphasize is sign up for an event, sign up for an event, because that then you build back from there. Cause you know, you want to get to a place where you can actually show up and do the event and not be embarrassed. And even if it's a 5k or a 10k, yeah. I, I think that looking back on my own experience too, why did I keep doing it when like you, I didn't want to do it certain days, right? I'd, I'd rather not. Well, I knew something was coming up that I right. wanted to be fit for. And now it's a transition for me. I want to be fit for life, right? Mm-hmm. I don't do it as exercise. I think that's a horrible way to go about it. And instead, train. Train mm-hmm. for an event. And then that becomes training for life. Yeah, no. And like I said, and, and we I try this. I want this to be an escape for everyone. But again, what was crazy was this journey of mine started five years ago. But obviously, the business is, like I said, less than four. But what was funny was when COVID hit, you know what I mean? I don't know why I go back to, like I said, that maybe the 20-year-old Hami. I just knew, like I said, I was like, all right, look, I'm going to, again, I know people don't want this. I know a lot of people suffered, so my heart does go out to them. But I was like to myself, I was like, all right, look, let's make sure you run every day, your heartbeat, you talk about breathing, uh, so many things we can go into. And a lot of our audience already know that. Let me, um, I know we're really going, I, and I appreciate your time. I don't know if you have to go or not, but we'll come kind of to the fourth quarter of this. What's next for Don? What's next for the company? I want to give you the opportunity to say some last words to our audience. So if, if you could bring us home, what's next for you? What's, what's next for the company? And, and, and where can people find you? Sure. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate that. So first off, people can uh, find us at uh, livepurepower.com, just like it sounds, livepurepower.com. And uh, we have a number of resources on our site uh, because for us, it's not about popping pills, right? It's about a, a right. lifestyle uh, change. And uh, folks can find me on social media, Don McLaughlin Jr., on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, so what's next for us is just continuing to refine and improve uh, the products and listen to what our customers need and, and want and support them in living an active lifestyle, whether that's competing in ultras or Spartan obstacle course racing, doesn't matter. Or even frankly, maintaining a yoga practice, right? You know, for us, it's about the lifestyle and movement is such a critical component of that. So that's why we exist to help people feel better doing what they love to do. You know, for me personally, I also do uh, consulting and coaching on the side. And so that keeps me busy both, you know, in the the legal uh, software AI space, as well as just entrepreneurs and executives that I think the pandemic just highlighted how much stress we're all under. And that is very much at the heart of my work because I believe so much in entrepreneurship and I applaud Mm -hmm. you for stepping out in a way that's not easy to do, right? It's not easy to do. There's lots of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns, but think of of the good that 6am run has brought to the world and and will continue to do so. And uh, I love that. Thank you. you No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll, by the way, we'll guys, we'll put all the links, you know, we definitely, I've always said, I'm 42, Don, you're like me. Maybe one last question I do have. I always said to myself, it's crazy. I'm that Nancy Reagan, don't do drugs. Remember the egg in the frying pan. But what's happened is it's crazy. You know, you evolve, right? And as I've evolved, I've seen that, you know, marijuana, cannabis, CBD, which again, I know CBD is totally different, but it's crazy to see how the world evolves. And to my opinion, you don't have to agree with this or not, because I'll give people some of people my personal opinion at this moment. I'm not, we were talking about, I'm not a big alcohol person at all, but I, what I'm seeing with marijuana and CBD is just, it's, 
And again, alcohol, all 50 states, you're 21, you can walk into a store, even if you have a problem or not, they don't know that you just go buy it, right? This is something I think like definitely most states I hope can at least do that. And it's funny, I did an interview with another person who had glaucoma and it helps them see. It's it's crazy some of the medical things that marijuana has been able to do for people. So yeah, and there's good science there, right? This is not a bunch yeah. of hocus pocus. And of course, no. just like you know, there can be with anything, there can be overuse. And and I think oh that for is, sure that is one risk of of legalization, as we've seen it in Colorado and other states where yeah. concentrations are much higher, and it's you know it's highly uh, addictive and habit forming. So there's dangers there. But in mm-hmm. terms of medically, oh wow, we're just scratching the surface, right? Yeah. Whether it's glaucoma or it's Crohn's disease or other things, there's so much to be uh, learned and explored and. Yeah, I'm grateful that Colorado was a leader in the space. And I think the world is opening its eyes to you oh, know, sure. plant-based medicine that can be immensely helpful, that previously has been vilified, right, in so mm-hmm. many respects. And we don't even know many of the reasons why it was so vilified. I'm just so grateful that we've advanced and evolved in ways that support people with very, very challenging health and stress that, uh, you know, we haven't seen before, right? And more of it is needed for sure. Awesome. No, and maybe we'll come back for uh, if people have questions about the stuff, and we'll we'll come back for a part two. Don, I definitely want to keep in touch with you for sure. Don, thank you for your time. I know how busy you are running everything, so this was very. I know we had to reschedule once. I'm glad you did keep this on your books because I, I think this is going to be a very informative episode. Last thing I'll say, uh, someone like yourself, because what I love is you know I think sometimes. I'll say this, and I want to say it with you on the air. I don't like the term CEO. I really don't. I think CEO has this stereotype to it. I know I'm the CEO of 6am run, but I'm, I'm human, right? I think CEO, same, same thing as sometimes being a guy, being a man, like you got to brush it off. You got to be a strong, you got to be a leader. And at the end of the day, that sometimes can be a lot of pressure. You know, and, and what I love about your story is you're that you're at that level, but you still had pressures and you still dealt with things just like everyone else does. And I love that you share that with people. So vice versa, what you just thank me on, I'm doing here. I want to say what you do, not many CEOs would say, look, five years ago, I was on a bathroom floor and I'm like, you know, or 2012, you said like not many CEOs will admit that background, but the fact that you have no, like, you don't care, like, this is what I did. I was on, I was here, I was here, then I'm back. Like, I think that, and I'll say it to you, how you said it to me about 6am, what you're doing, I think is also not just having a great company and a great product, but what you're doing and saying, hey, look, you can be high, you can fall all the way down. And then that doesn't mean it ends. It's, it's almost like, okay, reset. And then boom, back. I love that. And I, I'll continue to be one of your biggest supporters, sir. And thank you so much for everything you do. Tommy, I appreciate that. I really, you know, finally learned that service is really joy. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I feel grateful to be of service and uh, appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Thank you guys, everyone. Thank you for listening. And again, we really appreciate as the podcast grows and the more you guys continue to listen, we are, you know, we'll continue to bring on really amazing guests like Don. All right. Thank you, Don. Thank you, everyone. Thanks guys.